I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello you, thank you so much for downloading Random Access Memories, a retro gaming podcast. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just wanted to thank the fantastic Patreons who support the show financially, they help make it exist, so thank you so much. Thank you to Harsh Singh, Sam Hughes, Craig Hannon and Martin Warren and the executive producers. They went up to the BBC micro tier uh, and really thank you, thank you, thank you. We've got some new ones this week. Thanks as always to Matt Stanley Evans. Matt's been there from the start. Really appreciate that. Really enjoy reading your emails as well. Mark Gidley and at Woodpunk. Thank you. If you want to support the show, if you want to find out a little bit more, if you want to get the show ad-free before anybody else, then please head over to patreon.com slash Ian Lee. Patreon.com slash I-A-I-N-L-E-E. Enjoy the show. This is very exciting. Now, uh, this week, this week, uh, I'm joined by uh, Kevin Toms. Now, well, shall we dive straight in to your part in gaming history? I know I, 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 there's loads of other stuff that I want to talk about, okay. um, but but let's just set the scene. Your part in gaming history, it is a significant part in gaming history. Yeah, well, I mean, it was uh, way back in the early days uh, when uh, there wasn't even a shop selling computer games. Uh, everything was like a hobby industry where you had to... S- sell everything by uh, mail order. And uh, I wrote a game which I kind of had an interest in for a long time called Football Manager, the original Football Manager game. And when I brought that out in uh, 1982, uh, wow. uh, having written it in 1981 in Milton Keynes, in a flat in Milton Keynes. Um, Unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've worked in Milton Keynes, I know it. <laughs> well, this was... This, this was you know, Milton Keynes was still being built then. Uh, and yeah. um, that uh, I started selling it myself by mail order. Um, you know, I basically had written it for uh, interest and because I thought it'd be good. And friends were playing it and they got very hooked on it. And 
I realized I had something I could sell, spotted the market and started selling by mail order with a quarter page ad in Computer and Video Games magazine. But it was the very first there, football management game or game of that type. There will be people you know, under a certain age who will not believe that one person could do everything. Now, nowadays, yeah. it's games take 10, 15 years. There's hundreds of people working on it. You get some smaller indie games where it's a handful. But back in the day, 1982, the early 80s, it was really common for one person to write the game mm-hmm. and then one person to market it and sell it. And did, were, you, were you sending out the cassettes yourself? Yeah, I was making them. Uh, I, I was actually, uh, <laughs> uh, if you know back then, uh, they were audio tapes, which you recorded off the computer onto an audio tape. And I literally, yeah. uh, when I uh, was preparing to uh, do the advertising and sell the game, I got some uh, simple packaging made to inlay uh, and some instructions and I bought um, 300 C60, uh, they were C60s, I think, uh, cassettes from Tandy's at a discount. Yeah. And I was recording them myself. And I used to be sitting in a lounge watching TV. And because it made a noise, and it took about 10 minutes or so, I can't remember, maybe even 15 minutes, I could hear when it ended and switch over to make the next one. Uh, so I was literally doing the manufacturing as well. Can I ask how old you were? I was 24. Oh, okay. That was cause, because there were kids doing that stuff around then. Yeah, I was old. Well, like teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what, what computer were you writing them on? I, I wrote originally on the, uh, the, the TRS-80 clone, the Video Genie. That's what I wrote okay. it first on. I got it all running on that. But then uh, a f- few months before I uh, – before uh, in, the end, in the end of 1981 – the ZX81 came out and I got one of those. Yeah. And I thought this this is potentially an important market because of the price point. It was £99. Um, yeah. And so it was much cheaper. And it was a very, very wise decision because of uh, when I started selling in the new year, um, of the first 300 I sold, 297 were ZX81 versions and three on the TRS-80 Video Genie. And if I hadn't done the ZX81 version, um, I wouldn't have been able to pay for the advertising because yeah. that was about £100 for each uh, ad. What were you doing before that? What was, what was young Kevin Toms up to? Well, that was, that was where it's a funny thing because the way I started is so different to so many because many of them, they got a hold of a home computer and started learning to program it and then wrote games. So they learnt on the on the home computers, but I was already a professional programmer. I, I'd been working on uh, mainframes in COBOL and things like that for a few years at that point. And uh, I was actually at that that time when I started. I was actually working at the Open University in Milton Keynes doing COBOL programming. I think. Right. So why why again? What 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 was the thought process where you went? You know, I'm going to sit down. I've got an idea. I'm going to sit down at a computer and write all of this out. Well, it really came because I was inventing games as a hobby from as a, like a teenage, you know, young teenager from about ten, twelve years old. I started playing around with uh, writing, uh, you know, uh, games, making up games, board games, of course, then, um, and then and games uh, with the ball in the street, you know, tennis ball or football, just inventing new games. And I used to, in fact, I, there's one that people used to play quite a lot: a simple uh, football game uh, with a football, just throwing. Uh, I it called throwball. They used to, uh, I invented it. You had to throw the ball 
uh, and try and bounce it off the edge of the curb opposite, where there wasn't so many cars, so it was less, less dangerous. Yeah. And uh, loads of people used to play that. Uh, we used that. to call that curbsies where we were. That uh, was curbsies. Well, I invented it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. How many of those tapes did you post out? Uh, oh, it, well, it was mail order. Um, well, it was hundreds. Um, because, well, I can remember a point where uh, I was going across the road in Milton Keynes to the post office to, to send them out in jiffy bags. And um, mm. there was one day, obviously later on in the year, where I'd got so many that I was carrying 92 of them to the post office that day. And the guy behind the counter who was, oh, my God, you know, I've got to deal with these, stamp these all individually. He said, you know, if you've got, he'd see me come in a number of times, of course, as well. He said, you know, if you've got this many, he said, well, come and collect them. And I said, you will? I had no idea, you know, uh, completely innocent to this stuff. Uh, and, and then after that, they used to call it my little flat and collect the, the games from me, which I was making. So, yeah. were you, you, were you, um, you must have been surprised by the success of it because football manager was was huge i didn't i'm going i i grew up with the dragon 32 i had a bbc micro and i i really dislike football i dislike football <laughs> however i would go around to my friend's house and we would play football manager yeah. together because actually it was it, it, you could see it as a football game you could also see it as kind of like a trading game yeah. a stats game a as well game. Yeah. which i was really into so when it became that big how did how did you react I uh, was just de- doing it uh, just day to day. It was just changing. Uh, I was adapting all the time. So, um, you know, it started off, it was just by post mail order. In fact, uh, when I say about Milton Keynes, it, that I actually got to a point where I was going, I'd already, uh, they were building some offices down the road. Everything's being built in Milton Keynes. They're building some new, new office block and I'd registered for one. I suddenly thought, Oh no, I'm going to be, once I get an office and staff and that, I'm going to be in Milton Keynes. That's where I am. And I was, I didn't ever saw myself as permanently there. I mean, I grew up by the beach in Torquay and I was missing the, you know, being closer mm. to the ocean. And uh, so I said, I've now, I've got to move now before I, I build this up. And that's how I moved to, relocated to Bournemouth. And then it, it grew there. So it started off in Milton Keynes. It was all me. And then, uh, when I went down to Bournemouth, I started recruiting staff and it started to grow. But it was really just dealing with like things as they happened, you know, like suddenly bigger sales. Uh, you know, when uh, WH Smith made their big order in the autumn, I knew I couldn't make 2000 games myself. And uh, so um, I had to get a manufacturer. Luckily, there was a company that started manufacturing games at that mm-hmm. point because there were plenty of people who could duplicate audio, audio cassettes but they couldn't make them right for games they wouldn't load so it was a specialist uh, that just one company did at first until others learned how to do it were you a gamer or were you purely a programmer i i mean i used to like playing games but i i find the writing of them more more fun you know now for those who don't know, I'm ADHD. I got diagnosed. I'm 50. I got diagnosed about two years ago. Completely changed my life. Suddenly, it made sense of you know. I used to be called thick and naughty at school by the teachers because I just couldn't. I'd go in a classroom and go right. I'm really going to focus, and within five minutes, I'm bouncing off the wall. It, the ADHD has explained that. It's explained why I'm not particularly great at relationships, in part. Um, 
and it's, it's a really big part of my life and something I talk about a lot. And we've been emailing yeah. each other, Kevin, and you're ADHD. You still there? Just as we're getting to the good stuff. You're back. Yeah, yeah, we just got a glitch. That's unbelievable. Sorry, glitches are okay. Um, you, you're ADHD. Tell me a bit about when you got diagnosed and what that was like for you. Um, abs- uh, a major revelation uh, and, and has uh, changed a lot of things. Uh, hmm. I got diagnosed about only about three years ago. And okay. uh, I think uh, a lot of people that are diagnosed, not as children, but late in adulthood, end up experiencing, I'm a swore then, try not to swear, <laughs> why didn't I know before it would have changed so many things? Uh, you yeah. know, I've done so many things differently. Um, I, and I know some people even get quite grief struck by that. Um, I haven't because I feel glad that I was diagnosed because everything has changed for the better since. Um, it's it's made my life much more uh, stable and uh, things that um, uh, yeah just much more stable and, and progressive rather than erratic because uh, there's, there's there's an erraticness or an inst- uh, impulsiveness and yeah you know there's many consequences and um, uh, now I, I don't have those uh, problems anymore I can still feel the symptoms sometimes but. I can recognise you, you, this is this is too personal. Then tell me to jog on. Are you taking medication for it? Yeah, yeah, I take I take medication. And I don't mind uh, talking about it. Okay, uh, because that in itself, uh, in fact, I you know I've learned a lot about it. And one of the things is it's one of the most, um, in terms of medication for uh, a, a condition like this, it's one of the most effective medica- medications. You know, for for things that affect you psychologically. Uh, yeah, so I do, and uh, it's very effective. I tried the medication. It didn't, it didn't, I'm a recovering drug addict and there was just something about taking something that was amphetamine based that Mm. just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I tried it. It didn't work for me. And I'm a big advocate of coping techniques, coming up with ways to make things more productive. And I'm kind of jealous of people like you where it has worked. I know so many people who have gone, oh my God, once I started taking the meds, everything changed. How has how has the medication affected your life for the better? More calm. Uh, yeah, right. that, that's the odd thing because it's it's a stimulant, isn't it? So yeah, uh, yeah, it seems to work the other way. Um, it doesn't, uh, you know, coffee's you know, uh, affect me more uh, in that way. Um, but concentration, focus, uh, patience. Uh, you know, like being able to listen to people better. Um, not interrupting i've met you know i've talked uh i've talked to other people who've been diagnosed and and they they said you know what about the medication i said you'll you'll be interrupting people less i said that's one of (laughs) one of the things that comes out of it and you'll listen better um but uh yeah no for me it's it's like changed what was uh uh, like i always describe as a kind of zigzag life to a more of a steady progression and uh you know getting things done better um just a lot of good the things. listening is the listening is a tough for for 20 years i was a phone in radio host and my job was to talk and if i didn't talk i wouldn't get paid yeah um and now i've retrained as a counselor as a therapist mm-hmm. and the most important thing i had to learn was to shut up 
and to listen, you know, instead of the head going off, you know, thinking about um, what's the difference between an African and an Indian elephant or whatever, you know, how old was George Harrison when he left the Beatles? He was 27. Instead of doing that, when I'm sat with a client, I have to be present and I have to listen. And I've taught myself for the for the hour I can do that. And then after the hour, I kind of have to shake it all out. But but that was a big thing for me was I would not be listening to what someone was saying to me. I would be thinking what the next thing I was going to say was. And people would notice it. They would think it was rude. They would think I wasn't paying attention. But it was was just how I was was wired. So being able to listen to someone and respond to it is a big, a big thing to learn. I think I think that there's this uh, thing that hap- happens is that um, your mind ha- makes a lot of fast connections, you, you know, and things trigger. So there's like lots of patterns. I don't know whether it's it's because of ADHD. I think it might be. Um, so like when somebody says something, you think, oh, there's something. Oh, there's something good I want to say about that. That's really good. And then the the other thing I think I believe is that because you know that if you don't do it right away, you'll forget it. And you'll lose this great thing that you've come, just come up with. You want to say it straight, straight away. Mm-hmm. Now, to you, that's because you're excited about it and because you think it's really worthwhile. And it can mean you're great company because you can be very stimulating and jokey and fun and everything. But the other person can perceive it as not allowing them to speak. You know, and you don't know yeah. you're doing it. And I think that's, that can be very easily misread. Uh, you know, like... I have the greatest thing I ever did. You can't quite see it here, but I have a, I, I stuck a whiteboard up next to the computer. So if I'm doing something online or if I'm having, if I'm working with a client sometimes and an idea comes, just write it up on there. Now, most of it, I don't remember what any of it means. However, the simple act, this is one of my coping mechanisms. The simple act of writing something down can be enough just to get it out or as a, as a reminder of something that I want to look up or investigate further how are you with the adhd tax the buying stuff starting new hobbies and then when it comes going what, what did i buy that for are you any good with that oh yeah uh and uh yeah 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 i think uh, i think the other things if i was to say what shows looking back as well is the fact that i've lived in seven countries and i can remember moving 14 times in 10 years and wow. uh, i i also uh, spent a lot time, long time as a, a, a contractor, an independent contractor. That suited me because I would change jobs quite regularly, regularly every few months. Uh, but uh, you know, staying long term in a permanent job, uh, you know, I mean, when somebody described that, there's a, a a friend of mine. Uh, he was worked four and a half years with one company. And I said, what are you doing? And he described it. And I said, that's really boring. I said, how do you cope with that? He said, well, they're paying me. And I just thought, no, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I I just wouldn't be able to do it, even though they're paying me well. I mean, I just would need change, need some some stimulation. Moved 14 times. Moving is my literal nightmare. I have nightmares that I have to be out of a house within an hour, and I've got to pack everything. Um, But you enjoy the moves. No, no. Uh, it's just, oh, okay. There's always a just. Oh, just. There's always a reason. There's always a, a justification. Um, you know, like that. Uh, I'm doing it for a purpose. Um, but when it's only when looking back at it, uh, you know, like and with moving countries as well, that part of it as well. Uh, but looking back at it, I thought that was a lot in a short time. And uh, yeah. 
yeah, I think that's just one of a, you might say, a symptom. But you don't know it's a symptom because yeah. you're too, too, too clever at coming up with uh, reasons why you're doing what you're doing when it's really a need for... I, I did think, actually, that I was getting, because of the need for stimulation, I was getting the benefit of having to start somewhere new all the time, you know, having to mm. have to deal with fresh challenges all the time. And that, that, was, that was something I, I, I wanted. But, yeah... It's interesting you mentioned the jobs. I hadn't considered that. When I worked in TV, the most you work on a job in TV is three months, and then you're off to something else. And and you've reminded me, I trained to be an actor. I went to university and did performing arts. And the plan was to become an actor. And we'd have to do shows there. And quite often we would do the shows four times. And by the third time, I was so bored of doing the same, saying the same words again. It was almost physically painful having to repeat that. And I was so scared when I was young. I grew up in Slough and, and we were trained in schools, in the school, basically to, to go into the Slough trading estate and work in offices. No disrespect to anyone who's worked in an office. I've done it. I, was, I used to get so depressed and scared, Kevin, that that would be my life yeah. because of the boredom the repetition yeah i couldn't handle that and it's really interesting that you bring that up as something yeah no i think it's true i can also remember i worked at uh, I, I was doing a, a job at uh torbay borough council in torquay and i met a guy and he was working in the rates department and he said he was only in his 30s i think maybe the late 30s or something he said i've been here for 16 years he said and everything he emanated was he didn't like his job. And mm. I can remember I was only like 18 or something like that at the time. And I, was, I thought of that as a complete nightmare life, you know. <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine that, uh, you know. So it's like yeah. how you judge it. Because, I mean, other people might say, oh, that's very stable, you know, uh, and, and, you know and predictable. And they might like that. Yeah. But to me, yeah. that seemed like alarming and, and really feel like dying. I would felt like I died. If I was him. How, how are you with noise? One of the things that I used to be a joke between me and my partner is if we're in a restaurant or at a party, I can't hear what the person opposite me is saying because, because of the hubbub. I can't separate the noise. It's just one thing. And we used to joke about it. And then I got diagnosed and read a book and it said that that is a thing that some people who have ADHD struggle with is separation of noise how are you with sound i have i have a different version of it uh i okay i actually uh find the 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 complete silence a problem and uh right so one of the things i i do which people don't understand is i often you know like i work on software and i often like to do that in a cafe uh, you know, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm struggling because I want to say coffee shop, and that means something else here. Uh, <laughs> in a, You're in Amsterdam, yeah, by the way. That's right. That's right. I mean, yes. Amsterdam and coffee shop is a different meaning. Uh, I would have normally said coffee shop. So, and the very fact that there are people moving around and there's stuff going on is relaxing for me, and it doesn't distract me at all. Uh, it gives me yeah. focus, in fact, and silence makes me restless. Uh, so, like right. sitting in a quiet room, it's more likely to make me restless if I don't have some noise on. So I have a different uh, way of reaction. It is, it is reacting, but it's reacting, preferring uh, stimulation as background, noise as background. What do, you ha- do you have to have the radio on to fall asleep? No, no. I, I've, I've got, you can do that silence. I've got a good mastery of that now, yeah. I've okay. become very good at sleep, actually, yeah. 
Really? Years of practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years of practice. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You, that sounds good, doesn't it? What were you like at school? How did, look, looking back, and you talked about the grief. I run some ADHD workshops as well, and, and you're right. The, the grief that people look back and see perhaps wasted opportunities, wasted relationships. Um, yes. When you look back at your school years, how do you feel about that? And what were you like? Uh, school was tough uh, for me. Um, I don't know how much I was affected. I mean, it would have been affected. It must have affected me. Uh, but I was quite, uh, I was quite, uh, people find this very hard to understand if they meet me now, but I was a, a particularly shy person when I was at school. I had, you know, very little mm. uh, self-confidence. I think I felt different. I think that was, uh, you know, I felt abnormal. <laughs> you know, so uh, I was, you know, but I, ha, ha, but I mean, it was like a different experience at school, really. Um, I've heard it described by people, and this fits perfectly, that they missed, it's like they missed the, the day or the week at school where people were taught how to have small talk and how to socialise properly. Because I, 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 I have struggled with small talk my whole life. Again, I'm really, really shy. And, you know, you look back at my, my CV, you can't be. I've had to learn the script for small talk because I don't know how you do it. So I've learned that you ask people how they are, you ask people how their family are. You ask them what they do for a living. I've had to learn that. And I watch people at parties, and I don't really go to parties, but I watch other people interacting and meeting people and think, how do they do that? How are they not completely clenched up in terror and a completely uncomfortable feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, I, Does I, that- I have uh, uh, different challenges there uh, in that I can't, uh, uh, they'll tell me everything about themselves and then I won't remember it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the one. How are you with faces and names? Do you recognize faces? Can uh, you remember I've names? I've actually just, yeah, I mean, it's like you know, all my problems, but I was listening to Emily Maitlis on a podcast earlier on and she yeah. suffers from the same thing as I do, facial blindness. Uh, yeah. It's a huge challenge. Uh, so I can't recognize people until I've seen them a few times. And uh, so it helps if they're wearing a name badge or something. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, I would think it's unrelated, but it's uh, remembering someone's name very hard as well. It is common with ADHD. What's it? I think it's called prosopagnosia or something, the is facial it? blindness. Okay. I have it. I, I, okay. I, the, you know, I now have. Um, 
learn i used to say oh nice to meet you and people would say oh we worked together six months ago and it can come across as arrogant so now i've learned the line of have we have we met we've met haven't we and then if you're right fantastic and if you're wrong you look like a slightly bumbling thing but i do think that the, the, it's i do think it is part of adhd well that Certainly would, is for a lot of the people i've worked with oh, okay that's very interesting because yeah i mean I, I didn't know there was a link but um yeah, it's a real problem because, you know, uh, you might have spent quite some time talking to someone and they meet you again and they recognize you immediately and you're thinking, I can't think who this person is. I, I, I know yeah. I'm, I sort of know I've met them before, but that's all I remember. I can't remember the context, can't remember the name, and they might have spent quite a bit of time with you. Uh, it's very annoying. So that, that's where it's socially very, uh, very problematic, isn't it? Because you feel like you're being yeah. rude you know yeah. and it's it's kind of worse for me as well because i'm six foot five uh and uh, you know so distinct looking as well so people always remember me because i'm you know so tall um and uh, i always say i wish they would all have different color hair or something like that so i can remember yeah. oh, the person with the blue hair so like <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned being recognized going back to the game oh, yeah? because you brilliantly this is a stroke of genius you put your face on the cover of the game, Kevin Tom's football manager, yeah. and there's a picture of you, big bushy hair, big beard. Yeah, I don't think that had ever been done before. No, and I thought it was game. very predictable at the time uh, because what was happening was, I mean, I'd written the game and I was, uh, you know, selling it by mail order, and I started sending, uh, t- attending co- computer game shows, and uh, there was one or two uh, game shows I went to, and I was talking. Uh, to people about the game and they were uh, people who played it you know so uh, that they were they actually played it and then they'd say something and I say oh the reason I did that it was because of so and so so and so and they say what you wrote the game and I said yeah and they thought I was a salesman so uh, like uh, so I said yeah and then they got really animated and everything and started asking me a lot more and uh, um, and I thought well you know hang on this is although I'm selling this thing in a cassette it's it's my design my way of writing it and and you know obviously uh, i just saw an analogy with uh music and books i just thought nobody, nobody cares what record label a band is on it's the band you like because you like the style of music yeah. the same with a, a author of books you like the way he wrote that book you'd like to buy another book by him and I thought, surely computer games is the same, especially as I'd written it entirely myself as well. Um, and I thought that that way people will know it's mine. And also, I'm in a way giving credibility to it. Say, so I'm prepared to put my name to this, this game. Yeah. I think it's good. And uh, luckily it was good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. I met you very briefly, a, a kind of a retro gaming. I've just dived back into the retro gaming thing after flirting on the fringes. I met you very briefly at an event in uh, somewhere, West London, something like that. And you go you go to these events and, and give talks, and then people come up and ask for photos and get you to sign their copy of Football Manager. Yeah. That's incredible that 40 years later, yeah. Yeah. your game and so many of those games mm. still stand the test of time and have a huge following i imagine that's very flattering for you yeah and it was like you know uh i i knew the game so well i knew people liked it um but it was really the age of the internet that really uh brought that back to me um because yeah 
people, uh, you know, like I, you know, I was online and people started contacting me and talking to me about playing my game and everything. And I realized more and more that, that it was more than just a game that had a big impact on, on people's lives and part of their lives in the same way as, you know, music is. And, you know, it's part mm. of a cultural kind of thing. Used to play a lot with their friends. Of course, they, you know, more than a song, you don't play it for 12 hours, the same song, you know, like, but uh, you, they do play games and play with their friends, like you said, with your friends as well. So it's a social thing as well. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, no, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of, of that and I like people. So, uh, it's nice to do that and, and talk about it as well. Um, Going back to the ADHD, for those that know, one of the one of the many great things about ADHD is the hyper focus, mm-hmm. and it's where our brains and our focus c- can zoom in on one thing, and we can do it four, five, six, seven hours. Yeah. I'm so lucky. If my partner phones up when I'm in a hyper focus, I just say, "Can't talk now." Hyper focus, and she brilliantly goes, "Give me a call when it's done." Mm-hmm. Now, for the most part, for me, it's cable management. It's tidying up. It, 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 it quite often it involves tidying, and I'm really hoping I get it soon for the garage because I need to work on that. But it can be work. It can be writing. It can be podcasting. It can be streaming. And I'm wondering, looking back, do you, was hyperfocus? Did that play a part in you writing the game? Yeah, I think it always has. Uh, I think I certainly experience it now still, um, and I love it actually. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I can get get lost. I mean, you know, uh, writing software. Um, and still writing the game, the new games today. Uh, I, I do experience that. I think uh, in the last week I did when I was in the cafe, and uh, you know for about four four and a half hours I think I was there yeah. working away and just got interrupted for for lunch. Um, but I would have happily carried on for the rest of the afternoon. You know, sort of. It's a it's a great feeling when you're locked. It's in. peaceful. It, it really is. Yeah, nothing yeah. else matters, and of course all that's going on around me, but I, I don't notice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, it's not good if you're trying to monitor something. <laughs> but if, if it doesn't matter, uh, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. What, what happened with so Football Manager, huge success. Football Manager 2, what was the progress? Football Manager 2 uh, was very successful, actually, um, uh, but it wasn't so pleasant for me to do. Um, it was the number one seller for three months uh, continuously wow. and sold lots of games. Um, but the experience of writing it where I was no longer, you know, writing all, you know, just on my own. Uh, I had a team of guys doing graphics all around the country and uh, it was a, a more stressful experience. But uh, so I produced a good game, uh, but I, I, I don't feel it the same way as I feel the original one right writing of the original one looking back on all the games the way the business progressed would you have done anything differently do you think oh absolutely <laughs> go on what well hindsight is twenty twenty vision uh actually you know we talked we've been talking about adhd it might have affected the way i was making decisions because uh the the most pure the, the most obvious thing i would do now and i would probably uh like think of it that way now is I would um, because football manager the original football manager was successful I would think okay how can I incrementally um, develop that further but I switched to doing other things I switched to doing another game about software which was a good game and I did a president and then eventually 
not until I'd sold the company did I get back to Football Manager 2. So I would have um, just carried on a steady progression and, uh, and not think I need to do something completely different, which is the kind of mm. uh, way I was reacting at the time. And that would have been a better, a better choice. The, the, the one bit of information I was lacking... Uh, which would have helped me is that now with the internet you can you can get direct communication back then all I would get was the occasional letters or meet somebody at a show the sales were there but I didn't um, get that sort of uh, uh, so much of the sense of what it was meaning to people and how committed they were to the game and what their thoughts were about the game like I might do now, where they say, you know, could we have this? Could we have that? You know, is this possible? Is that not possible? Um, so, but that was just one wasn't available to me at that time. Anyway, didn't have that mm. information. So that would have affected my thinking as well. Yeah. Uh, still writing games. I have Ke- I have a Kevin Tom's Football Manager on my phone. Is yeah. that the yeah. most recent? That is. So what I did there was a few years ago. Um, I was in Canada at the time. One of my travels. And uh, I, I uh, put out online, I said, you know, I'm like, I do mobile software, you know, for iOS and Android. And uh, I could rewrite my original game for mobile. Is anybody interested? And I got a very positive reaction. Um, and so I started on it. And then I spent, um, I think it was about 18 months uh, in total writing that. Uh, and then it was basically a complete fresh write of the original uh, mm. Football Manager game, but for mobiles. So it has a very re- strong retro feel. It has the gameplay is very, very close. But I didn't, even, I didn't need to look at the code or anything in the original. I just wrote it from scratch because I knew how it played. And I've enhanced it a bit. Uh, and people play it a lot. They literally play hundreds of seasons on that game. And... Um, and then it just got to a point a few years back or a couple of years back now uh, where I, um, I was, they, people were starting to ask for more features. I was adding some, which I felt, felt were worth it. And then they, I said, look, if I start adding that kind of feature, I'm changing the game. Do you want me to do that? And the general response, most people said, no, 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 it's kind of a classic design. Keep, keep that. No, don't do that. I said, well, I'm going to start a new project then. So... Uh, that's what uh, the other football management game I do is. It's, it's, Kevin, it's called Kevin Todd's Football Game at the moment. I and mean, that's one thing I found okay. was because of all the different football type games, putting my name on the front, funny enough, it kind of links right back to doing it in the region when I did it yeah. the first time, is the best way for people to find my game. So, you know, when they look for Kevin Toms on the App Store, they can find my oh, App Store, so they can find my game. So, this one, though, uh, that I'm writing now, um, I've got a released version. It's like a minimum viable game that's on the app stores. It's free to download and, you know, it's got uh, it's advertising supported. But I've got another version, like the next version in the works. And I'm deciding at the moment whether to release that interim version or do a kind of a version two in, in the new year in January. Probably. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's evolving nicely, uh, that game. And that's a long term evolution product so like i i will i'll keep the straightforward gameplay that i do i'm not going to add lots and lots of statistics or anything like that because that's that's for someone else to do uh, but i focus on the gameplay and the fun and the pick up and play i mean one of the things that got me to do it was people were who used to play my original game say they don't want the big complex stuff 
you know, that, that the, the other football manager might say is, nah. yeah. uh, it, it, they say because they, they haven't got the time. And, uh, you know, they just need something they can just play and get back to. But, of course, you get the save game, so you can always continue from where you left off. So, so the, the football style manager or Kevin Tons football manager is a rewrite. Kevin Tons football game is a new evolution. Kevin, we're done. Um, I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on this. And also thank you for, for writing those games, for making football, making football Manager back in the early 80s because I had so much fun playing it. I say I'm not a football fan, didn't like it, but I had so much fun playing that game. And, you know, also you guys, you were the pioneers of video game making. You helped shape the industry. You helped make home computers what they were. If there weren't people like you turning out games of that quality it could have gone a different way so thank you so much kevin for everything you've done it's really appreciated thanks i appreciate that yeah we we weren't thinking about uh movie licenses or anything like that we were just thinking of those those days of how to write another good game and i think that was a good drive we had in those early days fantastic planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Really nice to meet you properly. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for downloading Ian Lee's Random Access Memories, a retro gaming podcast. Do check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E. And also go to my YouTube channel and look for the Random Access Memories there. Again, it's youtube.com slash Ian Lee. Thanks for downloading.